Hey guys, what's up? This is uh, week 50, almost at 52, almost been doing these uh, weekly shows for a whole year. Uh, I got uh, like seven reviews, uh, all by my lonesome today, update, you know, Q&A, the typical stuff. Uh, I just wanted to open this up. It's not going to be a real uh, review. Everybody knows my favorite movie is Day of the Dead. And I'm not one of those guys that gets real hard on remakes. If it looks bad, I just won't watch it. I won't I won't be into it. But uh, the Day of the Dead uh, Bloodline, the second remake of the 1985 classic George Romero movie came out. And uh, I didn't want to see it. I thought the trailer looked better than the last one, but it still didn't look particularly good. When I'd love to see the original script made by like somebody like Nicotero or Tom Savini or any of those guys. But uh, yeah, so it popped up on Netflix, and I was like, okay, you know, this is the this is the where I'm willing to go with this one. So I started it, and I noticed that uh, I don't dislike the Evil Dead remake, but I noticed that there it, it was a, a foreign director who who there was these lapses in understanding of the original Evil Dead, like how the original Evil Dead is awesome because it's a Lovecraftian type demon, it's not just a satanic, you know like Catholic Christian demon, which isn't very scary to me. That's why I thought that the Evil Dead remake was a little weak on that front. Not bad, but just a little bit, uh, you know, weak on that front. And this is the same kind of deal. We have this uh, foreign director, I believe he's from Spain, and there is a language barrier translation here. Everybody talks very strange. All the dialogue is awful. All the characters are awful. All the acting is awful. There's a lot of foreign actors and some really good foreign actors or American actors that can change their accents and do them really well, you know, Tom Hardy's great at that. A lot of those, uh, a lot of guys who can you know, change accents and do amazing accents. Gary Oldman, uh, all sorts. But a lot of the actors in this movie, whether wherever they're from, they can't do it. They, they they don't make believable Americans. They're awful. The acting's atrocious in this movie. To be honest, uh, the characters are atrocious. The script is a mess. The movie starts off at, at saying something like uh, it says. It starts off with the outbreak, so you're like, okay, they want to catch your attention with uh, chaos. And then it says four hours earlier, and you say, okay, they're going to go back and show you how they got to this point. Not very Day of the Dead because it was post-apocalyptic. Whatever, doesn't matter. And then it says four years later. It's like, come on, guys. Are you going to write yourself like that just so you can start the script with excitement? Why not just make a good script in the first place? Like Larry Cohen says, you can write your when, when you're writing the script, you can do whatever you want. You write yourself in a corner, you get yourself out in a, in a smart way because it's your damn script. Doesn't matter, you can fix it if you're a great writer. And it's just they wrote themselves in a lot of corners and then just whatever they were doing. Uh it goes into the uh like obviously four years later and they're in a compound. Uh there's a lot of survivors in this one, uh soldiers and uh she basically is like a uh uh, a student that is the only medical person and she's doing all these elaborate kind of uh, experiments or wants to do these elaborate experiments. There's a rape zombie or a zombie that does a 28 weeks later thing where it stalks one person is obsessed with them and tried to rape them earlier. It's really dumb. It's really stupid. Uh, I will give the movie props for having some uh, splatter. It has a lot of splatter. The zombies look fairly good. I mean, they're nasty looking. They're rotting. Uh, the, the blood flies, there's a lot of uh, neck wounds. When there is CGI, it's not particularly good. It's just a really painful event to get through. I don't really want to say this is a review, but I'm going on way longer than I expected to. Just, uh, it's on Netflix. Check it out. You know, it, it, I mean, you're already paying for it. You might as well watch it if you're interested in it. I just wouldn't give them money. I mean, I just personally wouldn't give them money. Uh, I, I wish the filmmakers well, but and, and anybody that goes out and makes a movie, God bless them to a certain extent, but this... This is not something I want to see. It's just strange that someone would want to take... It's just like, are they fans of George Romero? Or, like, are they not? Like, it's just at that point when someone would make remake Night of the Living Dead for the 100th time, and knowing that none of this money is going to go to George Romero or the estate, it's like, are you really a fan? Are you really inspired? Are you really just trying to get a, a quick cash grab? It's just it's just nonsense, and it's just... I don't have respect for that. I, I mean, as an actor that loves horror movies or a director or somebody like that, if, if somebody, let's just say I was a big-time director or something and somebody approached me, I would just have no interest in it unless it was the original script with a bunch of the original people involved. And it's just nonsense. It's just bad. I guess if somebody somebody's going to do it, he figured, why not him? But it's bad. It's, uh, it's just a, a stain of crap. Awful. Awful. 
I just can't say stay away from it enough. But sorry to start off so negative. I don't even like being negative typically, but I just wanted to give everybody a warning that this one's pretty bad. Uh, and I, I don't typically do that. I mean, uh, the Cabin Fever remake, it is what it is. I didn't like that either, but it's not good, but this is much worse. Uh, I, I will give the credits for the special effects guys, man. I'm sure they worked on a budget. You could tell it's filmed in a, another country, Bulgaria. You can tell. It just... And, and stuff like Mayhem was too, and a lot of Joe Lynch's movies, and it doesn't really show through in those movies. Those those work well, but uh, I know that understanding going to a different country to shoot something works well for these movies to get a budget. But this one is just not good at all. Okay, the first one I'm going to review is from Olive Films. This comes out, uh, or will be out, uh, April 24th, I believe. This is Joe from 1970, from the director of Rocky and the Karate Kid movies. So, yeah, I had never seen Joe. Uh, this is funny because I had heard of Joe all the way back almost um, when I was 19 years old, so 13 years ago, over a decade ago. I had a, a, um, a college professor told me the first time I ever heard the F-bomb was in the movie Joe, and Peter Boyle said it. And that always stuck with me. That always uh, you know, resonated with me when I wanted to see uh, Joe because it, it obviously was an impactful movie of the 70s, and I feel that uh, I had not heard many people talk about it. And uh, this movie is very uh, rele- uh, prevalent, uh, relevant today. It, uh, it feels like it was cut out of the headlines, to be honest. Uh, it is a very unique story. It's about you know, generational divide, uh, racism, uh, violence, uh, letting your, uh, you know, that hate or that, uh, you know, that stuff take you over and just become something like a monster and uh, I love the classism in this movie the class like the uh, the class divide the generational divide in here uh, the plot follows a uh, bill um, he's a he's a rich successful businessman and uh, his daughter is Susan Sarandon a very young Susan Sarandon and he goes uh, she ODs on some drugs she's in the hospital him and his wife go to get her stuff from her drug dealing boyfriend uh, Bill's the only one who has the guts to go up he goes up and he ends up uh, getting in a scuffle with the uh, drug dealing boyfriend and something obviously tragic happens. In kind of a daze and a panic, he goes into this uh, local bar to order some drinks. He's kind of guilt-struck and he's out of it. And uh, Peter Boyle's this uh, factory worker and he's in there and he's drunk and he's rambling and ranting, similar to like uh, Vic Morrow did in the Twilight Zone segment by John Landis. And uh, he's talking about, you know, uh, derogatory terms towards African Americans, homosexuals, uh, liberals. And uh, he's going on and on and on about hippies and drug culture and how much he hates them and how disrespectful they are and how he'd like to kill them. And Bill opens his mouth and says, I just did. And uh, he plays it off as a joke, but it's, it sticks with Joe. Something's up with Joe. And he realizes something strange is going on. A couple of days later, he sees in the you know on the newspaper and the news that someone was murdered in that area. And uh, he puts two to two together, looks up Bill, and they form this kind of strange relationship where uh, they kind of uh, you know learn a lot from each other. And uh, what Bill did awakened something in Joe where he says, you know, I say all these things, but you actually went out and did it. You actually killed one of these people that I fantasized about killing for years. And this kind of, this kind of, um, emotion that Joe has and these uh, thoughts that he has kind of open it up and Bill who's just like you know he is he's conservative and he keeps to himself and he doesn't let these emotions take the better of him but it shows that this deep-seated anger and uh, resentment and hate towards what he has towards his daughter's generation is in there and uh, it comes out and of course it builds and builds in these two uh, and their interactions are very awkward because they come from two different worlds they're uh, and they have these double dates with their wives and you can see how the guys treat their wives how different they actually are and uh, but uh, Bill has the same kind of resentment you see at times in against his wife that uh, uh, Joe has against his, and it's very interesting. And the awkwardness and the uh, stuff that they say is absolutely funny at times because it, it is true in in a lot of ways. There are people like this, and there is this emotion in a lot of people, and, and in almost everybody, there's this hateful spirit at times that if you are not careful, it can take you over. And that's exactly what kind of happens in Joe. It makes all these statements about the the culture at the time and how the people are completely different, and it does. Doesn't paint the the you know the so-called hippies in a, in a great way either. It doesn't paint anyone in a great way. It paints everyone as a complex uh, you know a, a capacity for violence and uh, a lot of resentment and misunderstanding. And at times these two go out and they. Uh, uh, they uh, they start to merge in with this uh, younger generation, and they even do they smoke marijuana. They have like partake in a sex party. It's very strange, and you think that the tide may be turning. But there's this lovely foreshadowing in this movie earlier when uh, Joe's wife tells him that an African American couple moved in, and Joe 
goes down to the cellar and he starts to clean one of his many guns. It's just a, a, a very unique movie. It's a great character study and it's such a, a great, uh, interesting thing to see all these different types of people interact. And it's got one of those classic 70s endings that is such a gut punch that will stick with you for days. And uh, it leaves on such a note that is very memorable and very, very hard to swallow that you, you'll be thinking about it for days. It's, it's awesome. I wrote a review about it. I think it's a masterpiece. There's only a trailer on the disc. It looks really good. It sounds really good. I'll have really knocked it out of the park with this one i was very impressed with this movie and it's a it's a brave bold performance and a, a very smart movie that uh you know a lot of people should be talking about i think it's freaking a masterpiece to be honest that just blew me away man it just don't make them like that anymore and uh it's funny that this movie is very you know political and has all these things in there but it never feels like it's necessarily forced down your throat it's just it paints this picture and you can interpret it how you how you will and, and it's obvious but i mean it's just so it's so well set up. Everything is set up perfectly, and the way it plays out, it's just, I can't see it playing out any other way after I've seen it, but uh, it's really hard to know how it's going to play out while you're watching it. Great stuff. <laughs> hey, Joe, don't it make you want to go to war once more? Hey, Joe, why the devil did we go to war? Ladies and gentlemen, We'd like you to meet Joe. This is what the American press say. The movie Joe must surely rank in impact with Bonnie and Clyde. Time magazine. Money don't mean nothing to them. Motorcycles, marijuana. You got love, you don't need this stuff. Uh, how do they fall in love? A hippie pimp. Lone Ranger. Cowboys and Indians. Hop along Cassidy. Not really fags, but close. What he liked. As you have a little on the side once in a while. I'll drink to that. It's growing and grew. Joe, do me a favor. Give us all a break. Four stars, devastatingly funny. New York Daily News. 100 milligrams of Thorazine in the butt does wonders. Get your pants on. It's your ass now, Compton. Easter orgies. She's anti-fetish. That's Jap food. The best Chinese restaurant in Astoria. A rip snorter, a triumph. Judith Christ, New York Magazine and NBC TV. Your whole life is one big crocket. He doesn't shop at Kimball's, Joe. Junk is junk, right? Then let's get the hell out of here. Hey, Joe. Why the devil did we go to war before? <laughs> now, all over Britain, they're raving about Joe. A very savage film. Very funny. Scores a triumph. The Observer. These kids are getting more than we ever did. Just the credit cards, man. Do you think I'm chicken? This is my beauty. They're all screwed up, so they're screwing up the culture. We didn't make them feel old-fashioned like the kids make us feel old-fashioned. That's enough. Crashes into the Oscar class, a gripping piece of entertainment. Evening News, Edinburgh. Hey, why don't you get a haircut? <laughs> Maybe your buddy ought to stick to golf. From the balls out. Call on a witch's titter. Man, it's no good. It's pantopus. Get with a Pepsi generation. Crazy thing about Joe is that I could blackmail you. A seething mass of rage, terror, and guilty envy. Sunday Telegraph. You, you just bombed me. You don't believe me? You done a real groovy job on her. Takes over where Easy Rider and Midnight Cowboy left off. Forceful, shocking. Wakefield Express. No, no, no. You can't stop looking. You gotta keep looking. I like to look at it once in a while. You see the knife going in. You know, we get friendly. We, we infiltrate them. The best film so far this year. The Sun. Oh, all my life, I ain't never been to an orgy. Uh, I hope I'm not out of line. You just beat the world's speed record. You don't need to tell me. I see it on TV all the time. Look, she's a bum tripper. Oh, you're gonna kill me, too. It's a humanitarian act. Yeah. All right, the next one here is from Mondo Macabro. This is a Paul Nashy directed movie. It also stars him. This is the first time this one's ever been released stateside. It's never had a release. It used to be called The Traveler. It is the devil incarnate now, which kind of gives away what, what the, what's going on here, but it's fairly obvious right out the get-go. Uh, Paul Nashy, this takes place in, uh, I, I don't know what decade, but medieval times necessarily kind of, or with the, the time of lords and everything. I always mess them up. I'm like, 17, 18, I know, 16, 15. It's, 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 it, <laughs> with my history okay guys um 
but yeah, Paul Nash, he is this kind of a traveler who goes around and he exploits and he takes advantage of everyone he can. He goes out to do as much evil as he can and he's full of sin. And uh, he ends up taking this young man under his wing as uh, he's his master and the, the two... Um, start this relationship where he starts to corrupt him and uh, you see this guy go from like a naive young man to like this vindictive old man, the vindictive man, but uh, their um, exploits take him everywhere from a convent, a monastery I should say, all the way to a whorehouse and uh, Paul Nashi in this is having fun, he shows his range, he, he at times acts mentally handicapped and as inappropriate as is, it's played for laughs and he, he's just such an evil bastard and he does these horrible, horrible things to people taking advantage of these women and then he, he uh, at one point he convinces this uh, deformed woman whose husband neglected her that, you know, he's here to make her happy and they ha uh, have sex and then afterwards he makes her feel awful for her body and for who she, what she's done and even robs her and you're just like man, this is so cruel but it's so bitterly true and, and uh, it makes a statement on human, human nature in general <laughs> and Paul Nashi does it in a comedic kind of dark satirical way and it, it really works the movie looks great too most of it's shot in the day so there's lots of nice like it just looks really crisp Mondo did a great job remastering this movie I had never seen it you know what I have a tons of Paul Nashi stuff and I'm a fan after this one but I haven't really uh, dived into him I know he was a very iconic uh, character and he uh, played a wolfman a, a mummy a vampire he's done it all and played a werewolf several times directed many movies as well but uh, uh, he gives a great performance in this movie. Uh, he is uh, funny and evil, and his smile—you can just tell he's really getting into it and really enjoying it, and and uh, you know, burning out some demons in this movie as well. But uh, I, I love the acting. I love the interaction between him and his uh, servant, and uh, it is inappropriate at times, but uh, it, it never crosses that. You know, it, it never becomes super exploitative, although there is exploitative moments, uh, and uh, it, it becomes sad at times and tragic as well. But the, the all-around message is, you know, man is not good, and man may be worse than something even supernatural. There's a lovely shot in this movie with uh, the composition looks great, where he, uh, you know, he's tied up to this cross, and there's these pillars on the side, and you see the the beautiful background, and he's screaming and you know, cursing and saying, "I can't believe that you would die for these people," and yada yada yada. But it's just a great movie. Really enjoyed it. The features on here are great. Troy Horworth, who's writing a book about Nashi, is on the uh, special. He does a commentary, which is very informative. This guy knows everything. Um, there's an interview with David Roca on here, which is great, uh, the actor in here. Uh, there's interviews with his kids that talk about Nash. He was pastor's introduction with Nat, uh, Paul Nashi. That's not his real name. His real name is a, a Spanish name. It's longer. I don't want to embarrass myself any more than I have uh, already embarrassed myself. But uh, there's a written review of this one, too, over the Screaming Toilet page, as well as for Joe, and a couple upcoming uh, movies I'll be reviewing. But really great stuff. Looks great. Sounds great. Uh, just a, a, a gem that I uh, didn't expect uh, to be as good as it was.
Okay, the next one is from Severn Films. This is Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals by um, Joe D'Amato, Sleazemaster, according to the cover. Uh, yeah, Joe D'Amato, what can I say about him? He did stuff like Beyond the Darkness, uh, Anthropophagus. He's done tons and tons of movies. And, uh, you know, hit or miss, Joe D'Amato is going to bring the sleaze and he's going to cross some boundaries. Um, you know, he's one of these guys, after seeing interviews, that I actually like him better than a lot of his movies. Uh, he started off as a cinematographer, so the cinematography, even on his budget movies, actually looks fairly solid. Emmanuel, if you guys aren't familiar, Emmanuel is this character who appeared in a bunch of uh, Italian movies. She basically is a reporter that goes to get scoops and has sex with everybody that she comes in contact with. Most of the time, played by Laura Gemscher. Uh, this one also stars her husband, uh, uh, Gabrielle Tinti, who's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, Donald O'Brien, Susan Scott, uh, who's known better as something a different name than that. So you got some uh, genre favorites in here. Donald O'Brien from The New Gladiators and a slew of other stuff. Another uh, zombie uh, cannibal movie. Uh, cannibal movie, I should say. Zombie Holocaust as well. Uh, Susan Scott's in tons of jellos and whatnot. So, yeah. It's your typical cannibal movie, except it's Emmanuel this time. Uh, she goes in the jungle to find out uh, where this uh, cannibal came from that she was in a that she met in an insane asylum when she was undercover there trying to get a story so uh she gets the help of a professor she heads over to the cannibal jungle and uh sex and insanity ensues and of course cannibalism uh, i didn't notice any animal cruelty in this one uh well a lot less than usual if there is any so that's a plus for a lot of fans of these uh i'm sure a lot of people like the jungle adventure stuff but they hate the animal cruelty and i don't blame them but uh yeah uh, this one is not my favorite of the cannibal movies, but uh, it delivers on the depravity. There's a scene in here that is pretty gratuitous um, with this poor nun who is uh, stripped, uh, her nipples cut off and eaten, and then uh, she is disemboweled. And uh, that scene, I think that uh, Joe D'Amato really captured its uh, horribleness by uh, when she's screaming and being like torn apart on the tree. The camera looks to the sky, and you feel like you're her for a second, looking up to like the last the tree line, at, like a desperate hope of, for survival. But it's just really kind of a demented scene and of course you know people get like ripped apart and stuff like that uh with like ropes and everything donald o'brien susan scott are up to no good immediately they're all sweaty and uh donald o'brien's impotent so we have this ridiculous sleaze factor in here and of course emmanuel is sleeping around with everyone she can come into she screws in the jungle she screws in the city she screws men she screws women uh it's just uh exploitative as all hell very sleazy very soft core-ish um the score is wonderful, way better than the movie deserves. It's by uh, Nico uh, Fid uh, Nico. Sorry, he was a singer in Italy. He also did a score for Zombie Holocaust. His stuff is really beautiful, very memorable, and uh, I love the score in here. To be honest, it's uh, the movie all around is okay. It's very sleazy. It's never boring. It's not great. It's gross. Uh, it's just really nasty. To be honest. <laughs> Um, but uh, the features are great on here too we have an uh, interview with Donald O'Brien which was nice, talks about his career uh, he talks about all the directors he worked with we have an interview with the composer which I loved because he talks about lots of stuff and, and uh, you know, you don't really get to hear composers talk a lot about their careers he does a, he does a, a tremendous job and it was very interesting uh, there's an archival interview with Laura Gemscher on here and uh, some other ones with the actresses which is great uh, some of the ones that I've never seen interviews with uh, so pretty much the whole cast except Susan Scott is on here talking about it anybody's still alive but uh, uh if you like this kind of stuff it looks fairly solid for what it is there's some really bad day for night in this movie where you're like man is this supposed to be day for night or is this just dark uh, underexposed day i can't tell but i don't really care and i don't think you will either and it's one of those deals where you have all these like people that are helping them and you're like he's dead next he's dead you can almost predict who's going to die next in this one predictable but uh you know what you're getting into and they don't skim out on the sleaze or the gore so if, if you like uh italian cannibal films severin did a pretty good job in this one. sacrifice their victims to the goddess of the waters. E poi così mi hanno cominciato a prendere per questi filmetti di serie C. No, però tutto sommato mi sono trovata sempre bene, specialmente con gli attori, con la troupe, con i registi, 
Era sempre una bella famiglia, una bella esperienza. E quindi, secondo me, io mi sono sempre sforzato di fare un pezzo del film. Un pezzo per essere perché poi può avere più o meno fortuna quello. È l'unico che non l'ho scopato nel film. E questo è scocciato. ci sono anche le storie, possono essere l'omosessualità che non neghiamo, cioè nelle carceri esiste, no? Non era un film de... che io amavo molto, cioè sono quei film che si fanno perché te li commissionano e tu li fai. Okay, guys, we got another one from Severn Films. This is Violence in a Woman's Prison. This is another Emmanuel flick. Yeah, man, Severn brought out two Emmanuel flicks. This time she goes in a prison, and this time it's directed by Bruno Mattei, who did all sorts of uh, sleazy, probably considered crummy. I love them, though. Hell of the Living De Movies, Hell of the Living Dead, Rats, Nights of Terror, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, the Other Hell he worked on. I believe he actually directed that one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he did as well. So, yeah. This one we have Laura Gemsher, again, with her husband, real-life husband, Gabrielle Tinti, who's in this. And uh, we have uh, Franca Stapi, who is memorable in this one, just says, not as memorable as she was in Beyond the Darkness. And we have Laureen DeSale, who pops up in stuff like Cannibal Ferox, House on the Edge of the Park, a slew of others. So, yeah, we have a nice little uh, genre Italian cast in here that people will be familiar with. It's a woman in prison movie, and it is one of the damn sleaziest movies I've ever seen. It's almost like they looked at this and were like, hey, guys, we have a check list of we want to defend people we want lesbian rape uh we want straight rape we want uh you know implied uh rape with a stick on a homosexual character we want homosexual stereotypes we gotta have torture and we gotta have sadism we gotta have all this kind of stuff in here and of course it's a bruno Mattei flick so we gotta have rats biting people that somehow we shoehorn that in because bruno Mattei cannot get away from rats attacking people but yeah uh <laughs> It's really, really, really sleazy and debaucherous. And what's funny about it is at times there's a, a genuine or a seemingly genuine uh, moments of uh, character development that try to make you feel. There's this point where the doctor who's in the film... Um, let me get to the plot first. It's very simple. Emmanuel goes undercover in a prison to kind of, uh, you know, show that the mistreatment of prisoners to a humanitarian group and get better treatment for prisoners. They find out who she is and they get mad about it. And the sadism continues. That's pretty much the plot. Uh, I imagine that Emmanuel is always getting herself into troubles like this. But uh, yeah, there's moments, like I said, that have genuine kindness to them, which I don't know if it's if, it, if it, the whole movie was supposed to be genuine, but it's just so, the rest of the movie is so intense and sleazy and gross that when these moments happen you're like wow you know it's kind of trying to be a serious drama at times uh when uh, one of the characters is you know on his deathbed and the doctor's trying to comfort him it seems genuine and there's this character called pillar or uh she's an older prisoner and she's always been obedient and she's just kind of lives a sad existence in this woman's prison and she has a pet cockroach and what happens to her at the end when she finally stands up to one of the prison guards played by franca stoppi who's very very the cruel very intense the cruelest of them all and her facial expressions just scream monster she's she's great in this but uh that, that those moments seem genuine uh the, most of the characters in here they they pack in a lot they're most of them are one-dimensional of course just there to get killed and uh 
uh, mean-spirited ways. And uh, they do have character arcs, although most of them are resolved when they die, and, which is impressive to resolve anything with these characters. But we have, you know, the typical uh, crooked guards. We have um, tons and tons of nudity. Uh, you know, guards saying, you'll have sex with me. And there's just really strange moments, so many strange, cruel moments where they bring in this uh, young um, prisoner and uh, they bring in two male prisoners and have them rape her while the uh, wardens of the pri male prison and the female prison are secretly watching and getting turned on by it and having sex. It's like, now that is some creative cruelty there. It's almost like an art in being that that cruel and creative to get to, to, to shoehorn these really exploitative things in there. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff. But, I, I mean, Lorene DeSales good. Franca Stoppi's good. Laura Gemshire, man, she sleeps in, with some people in this one, too. There's lots of nasty rape scenes. There's lots of lesbianism. Tons and tons of nudity. And uh, lots of uh, crazy moments. But there's moments, like I said, the dramatic moments that somewhat work. But then there's ones that just don't work at all. Uh, this one character is, gets killed, in a way. And another character freaks out. And everybody's standing around her just watching. And she screams for, like, 30 seconds and then runs off. And no one... The guards don't attempt to stop her. She just runs all the way up the hill. And then, of course, there's all these dogs waiting for her and guards holding the dogs. And they're just, she's on her knees sobbing and screaming. There's just dogs barking in her face. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And this whole scene is pitched at like an 11. And it's just, it's just not working. But it, it comes off as kind of funny on accident. But yeah, it, the movie is, is uh, a typical woman in prison movie. But it's, it's, it's just even more sleazy than usual, man. And it, it, I think it crosses the line at times. If you like the woman in prison movies, you should dig this one. If uh, it doesn't, uh, you know, skim out on any of that uh, debaucherous stuff that you've probably all grown to love. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> you probably messed up your psyche a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, on the, the disc, uh, we have an archival short interview with Bruno Mattei, which is okay, ported over from the old uh, DVD from Shriek Show. And then we have a really new, uh, awesome, really awesome new um, uh, interview with uh, Claudio Fregreso, Agasso, and his wife, who is a screenwriter. Um, yeah, and they both worked uncredited on tons of stuff. Uh, Claudio directed Troll 2 and Monster Dog and After Death, and she worked on a lot of these movies as well. But they both went uncredited in several movies. I think that he was like a co-director on this as well but they talk about you know the business talk about this movie talk about how they are accredited and tons of stuff it's very interesting and i love it uh and it's new and it, you don't get to see that kind of insight with a duo that was both making these movies in there and she actually wrote this movie which blows my mind because it's a female perspective on a woman in prison movie so uh and, and it's so sleazy it's even sleazier than the other stuff and it has these gross crazy moments where somebody dumps a a, a crap bucket on somebody and somebody's put in this uh, big steel uh tub and they're, they're they beat on it and hurt their it is to torture them so i mean you know anybody i guess can write this kind of stuff but it just it's nice to see it's actually from a female perspective on a, a woman in prison movie which i didn't know typically happened because it is sleazier than anything i've seen in a long time so violence in a woman's prison if you like the movie it's got a couple nice features on it and it looks pretty good i was kind of impressed i thought it looked better than manual the last cannibals actually and uh you know for a low budget uh woman in prison movie that's, you know, that's pretty damn good, especially from Italy, because, you know, some of their prints are just always kind of, you get what you get. But uh, good job, Severin. Really enjoyed it. Yes, the next one is from Arrow. It is the deluxe edition of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Everybody knows why the population's going down. Uh, everybody loves Killer Clowns, okay? I'm a big fan of it. Uh, a, a cult movie, of course, by the uh, Kyoto Brothers. Uh, yeah. What can I say about Killer Clowns? I've always loved this one. I've had the old DVD. I had the old Blu-ray. But uh, I'm really happy to see Arrow put it out in a new uh, restoration. It looks great. And it's lined with a bunch of features. Tons and tons of features. All the old features are on here. And there's some new stuff as well. But uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space definitely plays into the 50s style. Inspired by the 50s style science fiction movies done in the 80s uh, film. Which I love those movies. Night of the Creeps. Uh, Deadly Spawn. Uh, the remake of The Blob. Uh, the remake of Invaders from Mars. Like I love these 50s movies that have these 80s like style special effects and it's just you can tell like they're the younger guys that grew up watching this stuff and they're growing up and they're making their movies and those are some of the ones that are filled with a lot of passion and love and Killer Clowns has that and also it has two 
uh, favorite character actors of mine, John Vernon and Royal Dano. Uh, John Vernon plays this uh, this uh, crooked cop, and his voice and his intensity brings a lot to the movie. He's also very hilarious in it. Royal Dano plays your typical kind of crazy, uh, you know, backwoods drunk that he played in movies like uh, Ghoulies 2 a couple years before this, uh, Drum, uh, uh, Messiah of Evil, uh, Outlaw Josie Wales, the great Northfield, Minnesota raid. Royal Dano's always popping up on Something Wicked This Way Comes as either a crazy guy or a drunk guy or some sort of combination of both. And he doesn't, uh, you know, let you down here. He's definitely that. But, uh... I just adore this movie. What happens is a meteor strikes, of course, in your typical fashion, uh, and these kids are at Makeout Lane. Uh, a couple go to check it out, and it appears to be a giant circus tent there that uh, popped up. And what's in the circus tent may look like clowns, but they are definitely not clowns or friendly clowns. They are aliens from space that come to get a bite to eat, and they're going to pack in this town and eat as many of, them, uh, many of them as they can before they launch back up in space. But, of course, a group of kids and the sheriff are going to try to stop them. Uh, the clown's design is super unique, and the Kyoto Brothers did a lot of stop motion growing up, and you can and doing lots of crazy effects. They did the effects for Ernest Scared Stupid, which I love. They did the effects on the trolls. I adore those trolls, and uh, they look similar in this one. And they made these unique clowns that uh, forever are in the uh, zeitgeist now, like they're everywhere. All the clowns after this uh, were inspired by this, and these ones are so much better. All the little clowns have their own personalities. They all look great. They have tons and tons of gags. This movie has unlimited amounts of gags with clowns killing people and it, it is silly it is fun it is campy it, and if you don't can't get into that spirit then you're not going to enjoy it even the acting on a lot of the uh, lesser known actors is super campy and super silly you'll laugh out loud on a lot of their lines because you're just like this is ridiculous but uh it's just a really campy fun goofy movie that is a uh, and although it is like the ones I mentioned previously, it is one of a kind. I would say that the closest in tone is Night of the Creeps, although that's more done seriously as well. But, uh... Yeah, like I said, I love the designs of the clowns, and I love the gags in here. There's uh, some moments where, uh, what are you boys doing with them pies? Acid pies, shadow puppet monsters, which I love. And But one of my favorite gags is the pizza gag. Anybody that knows me, where they knock on the door, and uh, they have a bunch. Of, the clowns have the pizza. The lady says, pizza... And the clowns are standing there, and all of them are lined up. And my favorite clown in that scene is, uh, they call him Fatso in the special features. He's this real fat clown. He's leaning over to the side. He's just like, that clown is a, it's the best in it. Like, they all have these individual designs, and you spot them. They look great. I love the movie. I think it's a blast. I think that most people will enjoy it. Uh, the features on here, like I said, are great. The comment, old commentaries ported are. There's new interviews with uh, a couple of the guys from the Dickies who sang that infamous, very popular Killer Clown song. I don't think the music video is on here. I didn't see it, and I couldn't find it if it's a Easter egg. All their old stop-motion shorts are on here as well, which is great. There's interviews from the 2014-15 Arrow release from the UK on here. Like I said, there's a couple new interviews. Uh, I didn't notice. There's a couple things I didn't notice this time around. Suzanne Snyder, I think that's her name. I didn't, I didn't realize that was her in this, who was in Return of the Living Dead Part 2 which I also love. Uh, and I didn't notice that was Titus. I listened to the commentary and I was like, Titus, his first role from the show Titus is in here as a small cameo, which was which was great. But uh, I really recommend checking it out. John Vernon's top notch in it. Royal Dano is hilarious in it. I just like it. I like the gags. It's one of a kind. It's super unique. And it looks really good and sounds really good. Uh, Arrow did a great job with this one. I love the movie and they did a great job. Uh, if you like this one, it's a must. games you're messing with the wrong guy look we saw it that's a fact i'll tell you what the facts are mister you said people are being killed now where are the bodies yeah i mean besides clowns being frightening to me ventriloquist dummies have always been really unnerving so here we combine two of my worst fears in one scene and we were so happy with the sound of it that we pretty much knew we had the gig willis o'brien's king kong that just struck the imagination of a little kid i must have been like five years old Then from those 2D designs, I'll take the characters and I'll I'll do three-dimensional prototypes like maquettes. No, you don't know what the hell you're doing. We could be going out of circle. Shut up! The important thing is that we get out of here! Oh, 
world are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. There he is, I told you. You get out there and shoot him? Get him, Dave! Kill him! Just hang on, calm down. Let me check this out. The next one here is from uh, Avka. I always say it wrong. Avka with a G. I always say Avka. It's just so hard for me. I don't know why it's a tongue twister, but it is the God Monster of Indian Flats. There's some. There's a bonus movie on here too. What is it? The Legend of Bigfoot. Yeah, the God Monster of Indian Flats. Uh, this is a weird one, guys. This company's always releasing the weirdest, craziest stuff. Okay, the God Monster of Indian Flats. It, it, it basically comes out and says, you know, you think it's a monster flick. You think it's going to be a creature feature. And it kind of is, but mostly it's not. We have this small town where there's this uh, kind of a crazy uh, mayor or owner, whoever, he owes all the money, and he wants to preserve this town. He wants it to be a historical town. It's kind of a southwest town with mining and everything. And, uh, you know, so that's his main goal in this movie. There's a scientist also out there working on uh, weird experiments, and there's this guy, a sheep farmer out there as well, who has this weird... Uh, you know, relationship with the sheep, I presume. It's strange. And uh, what happens is all this comes together when this, uh, and goes completely insane when there's this weird embryo sheep thing born and uh, the scientist takes it in and starts to kind of help it and cultivate it and put it in an incubator. And uh, up until the last 23 minutes of this hour and 28 minute movie, this sheep thing basically standing there mutated in a hyper like sleep. And uh, it looks ridiculous and it doesn't do anything for an hour and 20, like 15 minutes. And then after that, um, most of the plot is really essentially this uh, rich guy coming in. This guy sent from a rich company who wants to buy the town out and buy all the mines and buy the locations and start digging for gold again, mining for gold again. And the townspeople don't want it. We have this, you know, back and forth with the crooked, stupid sheriff and uh, the... Um, who who's on the side of the uh, rich uh, guy who who wants to preserve this whole historical town? We have another guy that works for him that's you know real shady, and we have this guy. Um who's trying to buy them out. So this is basically all this kind of uh, business hogwash back and forth nonsense. And uh, it's just ridiculous, to be honest. It, 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 I don't know what's going on. And then the end of the movie, it gets so insane and over the top. It's like, I don't know what you're trying to say here. I don't know if this is just screw the whole damn thing and it explodes in air like Humanoids from Atlantis where we quit on set. But uh, it feels like that. And it's just ridiculous to the point of nonsense i don't know what your message is anymore that maybe everybody's full of crap but it doesn't work of course the monster gets out in the last 20 minutes and uh it's your typical thing this thing's misunderstood it doesn't necessarily want to be violent but with all the craziness going on and uh escape prisoner because uh they set some guy up it's complicated you don't need to know uh the monster gets out and kind of shambles and sh uh, around and doesn't really do much he does kill one person uh but the end uh thing is so ridiculous that this this would be perfect for a mystery science theater or a drinking movie with some friends because watching it by yourself, you'll scratch your head so many times you'll have a bald spot. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. I actually generally like the monster, how he looks. He's cheap, but he works. I like the cheap little monsters. He's a sheep uh, hybrid thing, and he's mutated, and uh, he's ridiculous. And I felt bad at the ending. I didn't understand what the hell was going on with, and the poor monster caught in the crossfire. It's just nonsense inspired by King Kong for two seconds and uh I don't know what the hell is going on. Stuart Lancaster, the guy plays the historical guy. He's in some other stuff as well. He's the I, I recognized a couple of the other actors, but most of them are bit actors. I don't think they've been in too much, but uh there's a, a scene for a funeral scene for a dog. If that tells you anything what's going on, 
uh, just a crazy movie. The movie on here, besides The Legend of Bigfoot, is basically a bunch of nature documentary stuff kind of tossed together with some fake uh, footage of some guy who filmed like a fake Bigfoot, and then it's all put with narration, and uh, some of it looks nice, but that's pretty much all it is. It's barely a movie. There's a lot of features on here, too, like uh, weird, uh, short, there's a couple short movies, a bunch of trailers, uh, you know, bus fires, the thing about bus fires, like a PSA. So they always load these things up, man, and I appreciate that they're they're making these this stuff actually be available out to the public but uh and uh to think that these movies exist is just insane to me but it exists man and it is crazy stuff god monster of indian flats can i recommend it i don't know i don't know at all really it's so weird so weird do you believe in the monsters i don't believe in the monsters stupid adults believe it yeah Mmm, these are good hot dogs. children off the streets. All deputies will maintain 24-hour surveillance until we crack this thing down. Okay, the pick a movie this time was picked by Seth, and uh, it was Berlin Syndrome. This came out, I think, in 2017. I had not heard much about it, but, uh, you know, I, I read it on Voodoo, so I don't have a copy to show you. Berlin Syndrome. This is a, a hour and 55-minute movie, which kind of had me scratching my head because reading the plot synopsis, whatever, you guys know, the plot description, I was like, okay, we have your typical, I want to leave, you won't let me leave, I'm kidnapped, stuck in this apartment, how am I going to get out of here type situation. We have this girl from Australia who's visiting Germany, she kind of wants to break away from her job and see the world, so it's very typical. I think this was based off a book, actually, and uh, it, it's done by a female director, and it's written by, uh, the book was written by a female director, but the screenplay was adapted from a man, so I was like, okay, uh, maybe this will be a little bit different than your typical I'm trapped in a house kind of situation here. Because I've seen that a lot of times, and it's not one of my favorite genres. Because after you've seen it, if it's not based on a true story, it's it's just not really interesting. Once you've seen it once, it's kind of the same deal over and over again. But uh, yeah, we have um, she meets uh, this guy, this German guy, and uh, they start a relationship, and it's a quick relationship, and things seem to be going well. But right off the bat, you know, this German guy, he's not quite right. There's something wrong with him. He is a, a phys ed teacher, uh, and um, after a one night stand, he, uh, you know forgets to leave the key for her to get out and uh right away you know she knows something's up after a couple days of her not being able to get out of here of course and uh it it uh keeps getting worse and worse and worse and she kind of goes through and starts to discover more things and uh hair in the drain and things like that and you realize this may not be the first time he's done this well what i'll say about the movie is that uh they try to uh paint the characters as three-dimensional and i think that they do that very well i think that it's shot really well i think it looks very good i think it's a very very well-made movie i think it's well acted i think it's actually um well shot too and they, they managed to make scenes that look beautiful especially scenes in the snow uh, especially a scene during with fireworks and lighting and stuff it's a very good looking movie and probably some scenes even inspired by Italian cinema it, it's a very good looking film it's very well acted it's very professional it's very crisp but uh, it, at an hour and 55 minutes it does tend to get repetitive at times there's a side story with uh, the German man and his father and uh, his interactions with co-workers and you see this guy out in public and how strange he is 
And uh, there's some really good, intense moments here of uh, where you don't, you as the audience, you know something that uh, the main character doesn't know and she's in danger. And that stuff works really well. You know, that's a typical, what they say, like an Alfred Hitchcock deal where there's a bomb under the table. I, I don't remember who was saying that, like, uh, you know, Pure Cinema Podcast, but I mentioned that. But it's a typical thing where you know something bad's going to happen, but the character, one of the characters or both the characters don't. And they build tension very well, very typical stuff like that. Uh, like I said, as beautiful locations, even managing to shoot in an apartment, they shoot it really well uh out in the woods is shot really well like i said i love the part and the, the you know the snow scenes and whatnot and uh her being trapped in this apartment and uh i'd never wanted to kill a character so bad in my life the german guy is so aggravating there's times these moments of cruelty that there's just a couple moments that i'm like oh my god i want to kill you so bad he just goes over not necessarily physically hurting her but just the emotional and stuff that he does to her is just so so disgusting but uh the ending of the movie is really weird and really strange and i'm not sure exactly where they went with it but uh there are some uh, crazy moments in here. It almost seems like the guy, he, he involves, he enjoys photographs and has this weird collection and this weird isolated room. It's definitely, you know, a character study on him and even on her uh, being trapped in there and him, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, kind of psychology. At times, he doesn't seem like such an awful person, but all in all, he is just a monster. Uh, interesting movie, uh, way too long at an hour and 55 minutes. It just, it, it pushes, it's, 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 uh, welcome and it's not an easy movie to watch you know it's it's unpleasant at times as well but uh it, it's fairly solid uh like i said it's 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 a it's very well made it's very well acted and uh it's just that it's not a story that i need to see for two hours so that's maybe my patience just being drawn on that kind of story but if you like these kind of stories i think you would enjoy it uh i know the director's done some other work and i'd be interested in checking it out but that's the berlin syndrome uh yeah, I I was interested in seeing it. It's nice to see a fresh uh you know director out there or a fresh movie from a, a newer movie that had you know uh you know nice nice look to it. So uh, yeah, that's Berlin Syndrome. Why didn't you come to Berlin? You know those life experiences that people talk about? Came here. People who travel alone are usually in the search of something. What makes you think I'm alone? I see nobody. <laughs> so quiet. Berlin is full of these empty places. Next time, I'll tie it to the bed. I don't care if I'm in too deep to... No one will hear you. <sighs> Maybe life's simply done. You said you want to stay? I'm in the door! <laughs> I texted your mother for you. You told her you're okay. But I'm not okay. You could do so many things. I just want to do this. You're abnormal. What would be the worst thing I could ever do to you? This is going from one to ten. Uh, maybe seven. Okay. Let's do the drawing for the pick a movie. If you want to enter, leave a comment on the YouTube, leave a comment on the screaming toilet, leave a comment somewhere, I'll find it, let me know, or even send me a message that says you want to enter. 
Uh, from now on, I'm going to do something a little different with this. Uh, if you entered last week and uh, you didn't win, I just threw your name back in. So we'll do we'll do that so you don't miss out on stuff. You know why not? You know I'm not. So like if if you got entered in and you didn't win, I just threw you in. So eventually you'll get drawn. So you'll get your movie. I feel that's more fair. Who do we got coming in? We have Christopher Dallier, another person who's won a few times. So let me know what I you want me to watch. I think that James Grimmer won again last time, and he picked Vicious uh, Lips, is it? Or Vicious something like that, the Albert Pune movie. Uh, I have the DVD. Do not have the Blu-ray from Scout Factory, but the DVD will do. Uh, let's get into the Q&A. Okay. Uh, ben Miller, what serial killer movie would you like to see get made and released that doesn't already exist? Real life serial killer slash murder case that you find the most interesting? Okay. I'd like to see a, I know that they probably have a couple being made now, but I'd like to see a Dean Coral case. I'd like to see a Chicago Ripper case. Uh, there's a lot of them out there that are very interesting. What's the guy, Jack Udertag or Udertang? I'd like to see a movie about him, the Austrian serial killer, because his case is so strange. He's one of the guys that got out twice. Has there been an author Shawcross movie? That would be interesting. Uh, uh, that, I think it's so weird that like a couple of these guys like Shawcross and Jack, uh, whatever his name is, had two serial killer careers. They killed a bunch of people, they got released, and they did it again. And it happens all the time. Like if you're a mass murderer or a serial killer, you're far beyond helping at that point, or at least far beyond helping to be released back into society. Uh, real life serial killer murder case that you find the most interesting. Uh, those I find interesting. Chicago Ripper case I find interesting. And you know, there's been so much information about a lot of the guys like Dahmer, Bundy, and Gacy. They are interesting, but some of the ones like uh, Dean Quarrel, because he was killed before he could speak, or or David Parker Ray are more because you don't know the whole story, and those are kind of more, to a certain extent, interesting. Nick, uh, and, and Willie Pickton, because his story has not, his whole story has not been released to the public. Uh, Nick, as you reviewed a musical, why do you, so many of them feel disjointed or even false? You know, uh, because... If it's a movie that's supposed to, I mean, it's a musical. I, I guess I could understand being disjointed or false, but you have to buy into that world. If, if they're just going to break out in the song and dance, you have to buy into a world where that's acceptable. And if you can't buy into that world, then you're, it's going to feel false. Have you ever had a conflict on set either as an actor or as a director? If yes, how did you solve it? If not, how do you prevent trouble on set happening in the first place? Uh, I I ha I've been on uh, like just a production assistant on stuff, and you know one of the actors or actresses was just not memorizing their lines and didn't seem to care and was completely oblivious to them making it go on and longer and longer, and uh, you just don't hire that person again. To be honest, if somebody's trouble or you think somebody's gonna be trouble, just you sometimes you got to take a chance and hire new people or have work with new people. But uh, if you have a lot of trouble with them, you just an independent movie like this, like I'm not getting paid. Just stick with the people you know and trust and that are good at what they do. Do you enjoy theater or just movies? I don't act in theater, but uh, when I go, I always enjoyed seeing them. I just don't go typically. Lastly, favorite Shakespeare adaptation. Um, you know what? The Shakespeare adaptations I like are probably ones that are so far like hidden <laughs> that they're Shakespeare stories. But uh, you know, I can't think of any like Shakespeare stories that I absolutely adore that are just like direct like the Romeo and Juliet movies or anything like that. But uh, go Theater of Blood. Uh, we'll do that one because uh, uh, Vincent Price kills uh, people in like Shakespeare-style plays. I guess that counts enough for me. Uh, when he feeds the, uh, the critic his dogs? Come on. Christopher Dallier, favorite creature feature? I think I've answered that. Uh, there's so many good ones, man. Monster Squad count because there's a bunch of creatures in it. Are you thinking more like Deadly Spawn? There's just, I love creature features. Creature from Black Goon's my favorite universal creature feature. Uh, the Thing counts as a creature feature. It's The Thing. Favorite mockumentary film? Uh, Winners Tape All is a really fun one. That one's really good and underseen. Very funny. Uh, it's kind of like about uh, these two uh, SOV uh, famous, uh, brother directors. It's really funny, really funny stuff. Winners Tape All. And uh, Behind uh, the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Those are the two that come to my head really quick. Uh, Dig That Cat. Uh, what is that? Be My Cat. Be My Ann. Uh, a uh, Be My Cat, a film for Ann. That one's really good too. Really interesting stuff. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of like mockumentaries. Seth, what is one of or some of your favorite films that most people hate? Oh, geez, you know I'm pretty sure everybody hates the item, and that's just a low budget movie. As much as I can talk about the item, I will uh, try to think of some other ones that people just think are crap that I always enjoyed. Uh, I'm sure that people think Sla people like Slaughter High, but I love Slaughter High. I know it's not good. Ghoulies Two is one of my all time favorite movies, so. You know, I, I know that people love them, but they're not critically acclaimed movies. Something Wicked This Way comes, I mean, I've heard not many good things, actually, which surprises me because I always thought it was a masterpiece. So, 
Do you ever go to the cinema to check out new releases? I do sometimes. And if not, what are your preference for waiting for Blu-ray DVD releases? Uh, sometimes. Do you prefer to watch stuff alone or are you uninterested in most of the new stuff that makes it a big screen? It's just most of the stuff I'm interested in that comes to the big screen. Like Annihilation is gone before I can even go. I just don't have time to go and it's already gone. I don't. I live in Toledo, so that stuff doesn't last long here. Like if you don't see it the one weekend, you're done. So, I mean, I have interest. It's just that by the time I hear it's good or that it's worth seeing, it's already out of the theater. So I have to wait. Uh, John Wilhelm, what is the most outrageous horror movie conspiracy theory that you heard of? Mine is that the poodle from the Boogans is actually the same poodle from the Boneyard. This time the poodle got revenge. That's hilarious. But, uh, you know, I can't think of any of those right off the top of my head, but there are some out there that are just nonsense. But, uh, well, it's, uh, you know, everybody's like the matrix and the Terminator are in the same universe. I'm like, okay, there's stuff like that. Uh, all sorts of things like that. I've heard a lot for the TV show, like the Rugrats, that they're actually all dead and they're in some weird, uh, you know, uh, purgatory. I don't know, stuff like that. That just makes me uh, roll my eyes. I do it mostly with cartoons because, uh, I don't know. It just seems more ridiculous that this stuff would be in a kid's cartoon. But, uh, yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm going to hop into the update and show you what I got. Okay, guys, let's get into the Blu-rays first. This one I picked up at Family Video pretty cheap. It was 4 bucks. Chasing the Dragon. It's Wellgo USA. For $4, why not? They had a sale, so... Could be good. Not seen it. Not heard much about it. But uh, I think it's Korean. Wellgo, so it probably is. Never seen a bad Korean movie. We got Hard Boiled. Hamilton Books had a good sale. Uh, this is the John Woo movie. Uh, hard boiled's pretty cool. Great shootouts. Uh, I always preferred the killer over hard boil, but hard boiled. But uh, this one's pretty cool as well. It's been a while since I watched it. Uh, yeah, we got some nice features on here as well. I'd like to revisit that one. Yeah, I got this uh, after midnight from Shout Factory. I had a good uh, good deal on that uh, from Hamilton Books. Uh, this is an anthology. I'd seen parts of it years ago, but uh, it's been forever. It's got some. Uh, it's got a new audio commentary on there too, and a new interview, which is pretty cool. I know that uh, Rebecca McHenry always uh, has high praises for the wraparound story in this one on uh, Shockwave. So you know, check it out. It's been a while, like I said. I'm not sure if I ever saw the whole thing. Then we have a uh, Dark Man Two: The Return of Durant. As a kid, I adored this movie. I loved the first two Dark Mans. I never really got into the third one, but yeah, uh, Dark Man 2. Uh, love um, Larry Drake in this one. Uh, Arnold Vasolo takes over for um, uh, Liam Nielsen, and it's it's not good. But uh, yeah, uh, he's okay, I guess I'll say. But uh, yeah, there's uh, audio commentary on here about the director. But uh, I always enjoyed this one. I thought it was fun, very comic booky, um, and Larry Drake's great in it. We got another one here from a Shout Factory called Dudes. I've never seen this one. Um, yeah, I've heard always good things, and I was super happy when it got released on Blu-ray. I just I didn't get a chance to grab it, but got uh, new interviews on here. It looks like uh, so that's really cool. Uh, this is supposed to be a pretty cool movie. I know that they uh, uh, Brian Sauer likes this one, so that's got to be worth something. We have a Shakedown from a Shout Factory. With Peter Weller and Sam Elliott. Uh, that's a great combo, man. <laughs> Sam Elliott's looking pretty rugged. Ruggedly handsome, right, everybody? Uh, but yeah, not seeing this one. It's supposed to be pretty violent. There's an audio commentary on here. So yeah, cool stuff. Shakedown. Again, Hamilton Books. Good sale. Uh, the Resurrected by Dan O'Bannon. This one I had uh, the uh, crazy German release. Uh, big one. Uh, but this one is the Shout Factory Screen Factory release, and uh, it was a good price. And uh, this movie has some great special effects, and I love Dan O'Bannon. It's just, and it's loaded with a bunch of features. It has new 2K scans, so maybe it looks better than the other release. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, that that release had a lot of features. I'm sure a lot of these are ported over. But uh, this is a unique movie based on H.P. Lovecraft, of course. But some amazing special effects. Then we got another one, A Quiet Place in the Country, with uh, Vanessa Redgrave from The Devils and Franco Nero from Django. Uh, yeah, so that's a unique uh, combo right there. But I've not seen this one. This is a shout as well. New audio commentary, so that's nice. But uh, yeah, this looks interesting. What else do we got? This was on sale on uh, um, Amazon. This is Tentacles and Reptilicus in color. <laughs> But uh, I've seen Tentacles, uh, the Italian one. Great soundtrack on Tentacles. Uh, and a great cast, too. John Huston, Shelley Winters, Bo Hopkins. I'm sure there's other people I'm forgetting about. But, uh, yeah, I like these double features. You know, you get two B-movies for the price of one. And it was a good price on this one, so I grabbed it. When I see these at a good price, I grab them. 
Then we have, uh, what do we got here? We got uh, a Blue Underground, Eugenie, uh, from Jess Franco. This is one of the three-disc ones. It has uh, Jack Palance in it and Christopher Lee in a uh, Jess Franco movie. So, yeah, I decided to jump on it. I'm sure it's got a good amount of uh, features, too. An interview with uh, director Jess Franco's on there, for starters. Uh, yeah, I've not seen this one, but uh, Lee did a couple movies with Franco. He did the Count Dracula one, which is actually a pretty good rendition of Count Dracula. We have this uh, double feature here from Dorado Films. Finally came Emma uh, Puertos Obscuros. Sorry, guys. And a stigma with uh, Christian Bolomero, who is in, uh, you know, Tenebra and uh, House on the Edge of the Park. Yeah, uh, Jose Larars, who did Black uh, Candles and um, what is that one? Uh, Symptoms. He did a couple other ones too. Um, the Vampire one, Vampires. So yeah, I'm interested in checking this out. Uh, it's got an eight-page booklet. It's got some other things in here, commentary on here. Uh, yeah, I'm happy it's out. Uh, this is the first one I think I might have bought by them, so I'm interested in checking it out. I know it took forever. They had a lot of problems, but they were very um, transparent with their problems and let everyone know about them, so I'm glad it came finally. We have this from uh, Dark Force, uh, Kill or Be Killed. I just picked up the sequel a little bit ago, but this is supposed to be a martial arts movie. Not seen it. Uh, I know that Extro talked about it. And uh, there's not many special features on here, but there are some. Doesn't look like much. What is on here? Yeah, just just basically a brand new full scene by scene. They show you how they remastered it. But I've not seen this one. I'm looking forward to watching that and the sequel. We have uh, a Code Red, The Aftermath. This looks interesting. I had my eyes on this one for a while, and it was a cheap price. I think a post-apocalyptic movie with uh, animation added in. I'm not sure from another movie. It just looks unique. It looks strange. It looks different. The Aftermath. And then we got this one. It's an all-night grindhouse marathon. Six films and a two-disc set. Yeah. What do we got on here? I'll read them off for you. Yeah, I've not seen this. I don't think I've seen any of these movies, but we got um, Velvet Trap, Marcy... Hot Nights of the, I'm reading it upside down, on the campus. And uh, there's th three other ones on here. Uh, the Death, uh, The Dean's Wife, uh, sorry guys, Sex and the College Girl, and Shut Up and Deal. But uh, yeah, for the price, 20 bucks, six movies on two discs. I decided to check it out. Maybe Code Rebel will do some more of them. Now we're going to hop into the DVDs. We have uh, Borderline, or Borderline with Charles Bronson, Ed Harris. I know that this one uh, was um, based on a true story, and the guy was a very interesting guy. So, And they got oh, none other than Charles Bronson to play him. I think this is, uh, what was this company? This is uh, Shout, so yeah. I know there's no Blu-ray of it, so I'm interested. This I bought off uh, Joe Novak, and I got a good, a good deal Zebra Force. I wanted to see this forever, so yeah. Looks pretty cool as a Code Red release. Happy to have it, finally. Uh, family Video had a sale. Like I said, I bought a bunch of digital ones, but then I bought some DVDs. They're a buck a piece. Jackals from Shout Factory. Not seen this. I know there's a Blu-ray out there, but for a dollar, I couldn't pass it up. The Basement. Looks cheap. Breaking Glass for a dollar. Why not? monster on there dog eat dog i think this is the one by paul schrader where uh, uh will defoe just wanted to act like elvis or something for the last 10 minutes and refused to not do anything else but Willem defoe and nicholas cage or nicholas cage wanted to do that i think but uh for a dollar i know there's a blu-ray but hey it's a buck cute little buggers heard nothing positive about it really but for a dollar you know i needed 10 so it was in there i think i have this one already all hallows eve 2 but uh, I needed that 10 spot. I got some digital codes, too, for a buck a piece, so you can't beat that. Then we have Saving Mr. Wu, which is a well-go. Not seeing that one. And the last, She Who Must Burn. And that one uh, looks pretty interesting, actually. A witch movie, maybe. Uh, I'm interested in those. I think I heard good things about this one. So, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed the update. Now, back to the video. Hope you guys enjoyed the video, the update, everything. If you got questions, comments, concerns, you know where to leave them on the YouTube or the Screaming Toilet page. But uh, as always, thank you very much, guys, for watching, and you guys have a good one.